I think they're still booing in Pittsburgh this morning. Hey, good morning. It is Maggie Gray, Andrew Perloff, CBS Sports Radio. I mean, in a word, that game last night between the Steelers and the Patriots was stupid. It was a stupid game. It made no sense. Terrible play calling decisions, terrible decisions in general on both sides of the ball. Good morning, Perloff. I didn't see it that way at all. I I came away saying, man, Bailey Zabby can sling it. What if the Patriots (laughs) had gone there early? They might have had a chance. They might have four wins. You're right. There are some weird things like why was Bailey Zappi not throwing the ball around the last, I don't know, eight weeks? Where, Where was this Patriots offense, the first half offense? Where was that? And the Steelers... I just don't understand how are the Steelers this bad offensively. I understand the play calling, not ideal, but <laughs> still, even so, it, maybe you credit the Patriots' defense. It just seems like when the fans can call a better game than the yes. the offensive coordinator, you have an issue you have to look at. This would make you long for the days of Matt Canada. And listen, I understand <laughs> that you are down to your backup quarterback, but let's not pretend like Kenny Pickett was playing amazing anyway. But you know? I do I do think they win that game with Kenny Pickett. I mean it was it's it's Kenny Pickett is Joe Montana compared to Mitchell Trubisky. Trubisky stinks, but see that's the thing, right? Where you have a team that is like hang on, there is no way that anyone could have confidence in the Pittsburgh Steelers unless you're just going on reputation. And like here's the thing about Mike Tomlin how do you, with a coach like this, who's been entrenched for the last 16 years in the organization, how can you just say, well, it's a quarterback situation, the quarterbacks are terrible, it's not his fault? That's absolute crap. Of course it's his fault. And even if he's not a quote-unquote offensive genius or offensive guru, rather, and he's kind of more of a CEO type and came up on the defensive side, but also coach wide receivers, whatever, he's been on all all parts of, of, of the football for in his NFL career. The fact that Kenny Pickett, when he was healthy, wasn't developed, that they stuck around with the offensive coordinator as long as they did until the owner was forced to fire him. Let's not forget that detail. The fact that, yes, Mitchell Trubisky is bad. Why is Mitchell Trubisky continued to get developed? Why can't he win a bad game for you? Like, all of this to me, why was the play calling so stupid last night? How does that not fall on Mike Tomlin? Well, because they were 7-3 and three when their quarterback got hurt. I mean... I think you're underestimating the picket injury severely. Seven and three, seven and five. Would that, oh, or seven and four. They've lost seven now. and four, sorry. They've but, lost to two teams in five days yeah. that both came in with two wins. Right, but the it's fact that, that Tomlin got them to seven and four with a starting quarterback and was about to go eight and four until Pickett got hurt. Uh, I think that that speaks to there is something there with Tomlin. Like Tomlin knows his roster and knows he has to be conservative. You add a quarterback to this team. They're a legit Super Bowl contender. So why would you break that up? All you need is a quarterback. That's all that's missing here. Okay, but this is a, a head coach who's got a lot of power, right? right? So why don't you have a quarterback? You, all right, so you miss a pick. It happens. Uh, it happens in NFL teams, and then Kenny Pickett is injury prone. Okay, it happens. So, I'm not, you can't fire a coach because your quarterback is injury prone. Well, I would say reverse this. Where were the decisions to move on from Ben Roethlisberger? Who was involved in that? Why does it... Father Time was involved in that. (laughs) No, why did they move on sooner? Like, I don't know how many cooks were in the kitchen about that decision, but I imagine that Tomlin had to be one of them. And then here's the thing. You got to be on board with the first round pick when it's Kenny Pickett, don't you? The coach... I don't think the coach was standing up saying, we don't want to take him. Right, so... Everyone's complicit. And then the coach hired an offensive coordinator 
to who was a first-time yeah. play caller with no meaningful NFL experience whatsoever and decide to pair him with a rookie quarterback taking over for a legend. Yeah, it was who a, thinks that's a good idea? Well, it's worked before. Who know, I mean, you could judge that as a bad idea. If it if they kept on winning, we wouldn't be talking about this. I mean, maybe Canada. I that's a fireable offense for a guy who's won a million NFL games. And by the way, who's on pace to have a high seed in this year's playoffs. It's not like he's not winning games. He still has an even winning record now, right? Aren't they seven They're and seven six? Seven and six. Yeah, I just think that all this, yes, they screwed up certain things this year, but it happens. Teams get hurt. You don't just fire your coach. That's why the Steelers are the Steelers. Because of continuity. Remember what Tom Brady said? You, you can't fire him over this. You give a quarterback to that team, and they are all of a sudden very dangerous. You're, there's no way you would give up on all that. Okay, so where are you fighting this quarterback? Yeah, I think you might be bad enough to lose out this year and draft one. Man, I'll tell you what, that's a heck of a plan you got there, Perloff. I mean, it's, that's a heck of a plan for a team that you picked to go to the Super Bowl. So either they're going to the Super Bowl yeah, or a, they're going to be so bad they're going to be in play for the number one pick. That well, is wild swing, dude. Yeah, it's a pretty wild. It is. A, I mean, look, is there a more wild swing than a, sorry, 7-4 and four team losing to two 2-10 two and ten teams at home? Has that ever happened in the history of the NFL? I'm sure there's a metric that shows no. But think about it. Even when they were seven and five, right? Even yeah. they were eight and uh, they were seven and three. What were we saying about this team? That was lucky. <laughs> uh, negative point differential, <laughs> negative yard differential. It always felt flimsy. The record was there, and they were pulling out these wins that were just like miracle rabbits out of a hat. Or like in the case of the Ravens game, the Ravens dropped yeah. like eight passes. They just got lucky, and it felt like luck was on their side. And you know what happens to luck? It runs out. Well, Even for the vaunted and successful and well-regarded Pittsburgh Steelers who've got Lombardi trophy after Lombardi trophy. But let's look at what's happening now, right? But you here's are the thing. on a, a mediocre trail. Here's the thing. They they look, when they fired Canada, things looked like they were getting better. So they had a very good game against Cincinnati. The final score was 16-10, but they got over 400 total yards. Pickett had a really good game. Pickett had a really good first half against the Cardinals before he got hurt. Yeah, he was pretty what efficient. What was the score? It was 3-3, but they were about <laughs> to go in. But he was they, they blew a couple scoring opportunities, but it, the offense looked smooth. It was actually moving up and down the field pretty well. And then it all fell apart. I mean, drastically when Trubisky came in. When Pickett got hurt, the defense lost their mojo too. They got depressed. It was just, it's all been bad. Okay, well, that's another thing. But it, this happens. Quarterback injuries happen to teams. It okay. happened to even the best teams. If a quarterback gets hurt, your chances of winning go down drastically. Okay, that happens, and you're right about that. But even as bad as Trubisky is, you can't tell me the delta, the change between Pickett and Trubisky is that big. This it isn't is. Joe Burrow going down. This isn't, you know. Uh, it is. I don't. I can't explain why. Mitchell Trubisky is so bad. Okay, but here, but it's not that Kenny Pickett's great, though. See, that's the thing. You're he not is going great for the compared to Trubisky. <laughs> no, he's not. He really is. The last two games, the offense has looked really good with Trubisky. Uh, with Pickett, good. and has not looked good with Trubisky. He looks better, but not great. I mean, that's the whole knock on Kenny Pickett. Is he looks the same as year one as he does in year two? Maybe even a little bit worse. The other part too about this Pittsburgh team, and tell me if you guys noticed this last night. It's actually been a theme for a couple weeks but we kind of don't address it because they were winning some of these lucky games and, hey, they're in the playoff hunt. Yeah. Could the body language be any worse yeah. on this team on offense? 
Holy moly. Now, the whole, it, it, when Pickett got hurt, they went from feeling themselves to, I'm telling you, watch before the Cardinals. That, Perlo, the Card- before no, no, it was, that, it was the Cardinals game where the body language started to fall apart, and then it just never came back for this game. Remember when Deontay Johnson, like, scrubbed well, his social media and, like, nobody even gave paid it any mind? Uh, yeah, George Pickens oh, had Pickens. the issues. Yeah, those, and, guys and, are, those guys are not team guys, okay, so I'm not well, surprised. Well, here's the thing. Those guys, you need those guys on board. Yeah, because they're two great receivers, by mm, the way. Great receivers? I think George Pickens is a great receiver who is... Mm, that's it, interesting. What? I don't know if I agree with that. I just think, like, he, yes, he makes a lot of lot of circus catches. I'd be curious if what, what all his routes look like if I, you were watching all 22. And I know Deontay Johnson set the all-time single-season record for drops. He's the reason Ben had to retire. So Deontay Johnson talks a great game and is really good, but... He's I, I wide don't open two- in the end zone, and they miss him. Like I don't know. I, I'm not so sure these are great receivers. DeAndre Hopkins is a great receiver. You're saying Deontay Johnson and George Pickens are great receivers? I think George Pickens has the ability to be a great he receiver. He looks like he is. I, I don't know, but I'll bet you that he is still developing as so, an overall receiver. Okay, well, that's fine. We can agree on that. But here's the thing. That also comes down on the head coach. Because that body language and that loser energy on the sideline, that has to come from the head coach because you're not a loser franchise. You're not a loser organization. So the fact that either guys can get away with this or they're not on the same page or whatever is all has to go back to the head coach, doesn't it? Yes, but a quarterback injury, I I don't think you can underestimate going from Pickett to Trubisky. And I think also emotionally what it did to this team. It just gutted the team. I, I'm surprised that you are. like I would think Trubisky's been in the NFL long enough where he could win a game. Yeah. They know he can't. And okay. I don't know why they know that, but they know it. Okay, well then, again, all back to the head coach. If you really think Mitchell Trubisky is that bad, right? And he is that bad. I don't think Kenny Pickett's that good where it's such a big, drastic change. But if you think he's that bad, then put Mason Rudolph in the game. Do something. Do something. Because they're doing nothing right now and expecting to win because they were having these miracle wins earlier in the season. And it's just not the same. Well, they're expecting to win because Arizona and New England were in the house. Right. They were expecting those teams would just trip up and fall on their faces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I understand. This is not the finest effort by Tomlin. But I think if you add a quarterback to this team, they're going to be all of a sudden very dangerous. I know, but how many teams can you say that about Proloff? I mean, yeah. honestly, like that's the whole thing but about no, no, winning I think in the they're, NFL. They're way more. No, I think the Steelers have more talent around their quarterback position than most teams. Okay, but you don't think the Pickens and Deontay Johnson are good receivers, so who's the no, talent? I, no, no, no. Briarmouth? No. You said great receivers. I think they're good receivers, but no, I don't. I don't <laughs> think right. they're. I don't think they're Jerry Rice and Jonathan Taylor. Well, of course they're not. Jerry, but you Rice. said great. They have these two great receivers. I think they and have the ability. Downgraded to, me to good. I, I think they have the ability to be great. I think George mm. Pickens has the ability to be great. George Pickens is a very talented player, and yeah, I, I'm not so sold. I'd like to get our friend Andrew Filipponi on there to, to explain what's really going on with George Pickens because it's a mystery. You look at the Steelers, you're like, why don't they throw the ball to that guy every time? They're not dumb. No, but then weirdly, and this is why this game what felt really stupid last night from the play calling, yeah. both sides, by the way. But this is this is why it felt pretty stupid is because you're not pushing the ball downfield at all. You're trying these weird reverse. Like, you try to reverse play. Well, the first it one worked, looked great. <laughs> and then you do it again on the first drive out of halftime. Like, of course they're expecting it. It went for a seven-yard loss. Anyway. Well, also, the reason I think the Steelers thought everything was fixed was Kenny Pickett with Pat Fryermuth on the field is yeah. a pretty good quarterback. So, Fryermuth got back. He was back two games, and he was healthy for the Cincinnati game. 
Like, that was a formula. You could see the offense was moving well. Sure. Like, Pickett and Frymuth have a great connection. And then when Pickett went down, that was heartbreaking. Yeah, I mean, again, that's a good connection. But to me, it's not, you know, Brady to Gronk level of productive. And, like, yeah, uh, yeah every young quarterback loves a t- pass-catching yeah. tight end. Like, obviously. Especially that's... when you have small hands. You really need to get into that tight end. <laughs> well, I just think they, they, had, they thought they had fixed a lot. I think they were thought that they were on a rocket ship. Well, and After Canada got fired, I think the optimism was through the roof. Well, you lose two games to teams who would want to combine four games in the span of five days. So I think that optimism is probably all out the window. But the other thing, too, about the stupid play calling, as I was saying, the reverses were dumb. When Fryermuth was covered, they didn't know where to go. Trubisky had no idea where to go with the ball. And then on a third and one and a fourth and two, and especially the fourth and two late in the game, so you're down by three points. Like, you have a chance to just get in field goal range, tie this thing up, and then see what happens in overtime. And they have a fourth and two where they've already successfully executed a couple QB sneaks. Whatever. You have options here on short yardage. They go for it all. Like they go for the home run play, probably thinking they're going to get a flag and they don't. And that's it. It's over. So stupid. Did the Eagles hit one of these uh, recently? Somebody hit one of those last week. It was a fourth and one in a key moment. They hit a bomb. Do you remember? Yes, but that was, I believe, it might have been Jalen Hurts, who's an MVP candidate. Yeah, I do. <laughs> Not Mitchell Trubisky, who is a former Pro Bowler somehow, some way. I, I think they think you do, you don't need to be as accurate when you're throwing it 40 yards down the field. Get some air under the ball. <laughs> I, yeah, that, Listen, but they didn't get the benefit of the doubt. The, the refs were not on their side on that one. Actually, there is a, you know, you accuracy means less when you're flying down the 50-yard pass. So I have no idea. Yeah, no, the Steelers are a mess. I'm not, obviously, they just lost to the Cardinals and Patriots at home. I just think you cannot underestimate the impact of the Kenny Pickett injury. Pickett doesn't get hurt. They beat the Cardinals, and they there's no way they let down like this. You're right. The body language was not good. Oof. They've completely sort of given up on this team. Uh, TJ Watt, and even TJ Watt and Hayward, are those guys who are great leaders, they, yeah. they look uninspired. And did TJ Watt break his jaw last night? I mean, they saw on the sideline the doctor is like sticking his fingers in his mouth to see if his jaw might have been broken. He gets hurt. Yeah, that can't slow down TJ Watt. What are you kidding me? No, it it did not. Uh, A little sound, please, shall we? Uh, Can we hear a little bit of Mike Tomlin? Um, Not cashing in on the turnovers was the key. In terms of how the game unfolded, thought the significant difference, they got seven points off of their turnover. Um, on the short field, we got zero off of ours. And so that's the difference in the game. And usually it is the turnover component and your ability to to support each other um, on the other side of it or inability. Um, and that was the difference in the game in terms of the outcome. Um, so that's disappointing. <laughs> I, was, totally, by the way, I totally agree with that. One reason. Z- one reason. Sure. Zappi totally gave that game away. I couldn't believe they let Bailey Zappi throw that pass. It got picked, and the Steelers got down to the 10-yard line and then screwed up on fourth down. But they finally got Bailey Zappi to make a mistake, and that was a huge play. I, okay. I couldn't believe they didn't score there. So here's the thing, though, about that play. It happened in the third quarter. It happened in the third quarter is when Zappi threw that interception, and then the Steelers turn it over on downs. I'm sorry, the fourth and two happened the first play of the fourth quarter. 
you had a whole quarter right, <laughs> to but make they, up for that, and they, and they won, couldn't do they it. They won. The, that game was going so slow. You're talking like it's a normal game. They only had two more possessions. No, they scored a, few, a touchdown. In, they scored, but if the, they had scored the there, that was, that was heartbreaking for Steelers when they could not get the ball in the end zone off the zappy pick. Because I know, it seemed, but they know. did score after that to make it 21-18, yeah. and then it was punt, turnover on downs, end of the game. Yeah, Trubisky took some sacks. Yeah, no, I, I understand what happened here. <laughs> Just brutal. I think Tomlin, though, does have a good point. Like, they came in and said, oh, we're going to take advantage of Bailey Zappi. And can we give some credit to that dude and to Ezekiel Elliott? I think the Patriots played somewhat inspired football. I also think the Patriots' defense is good, has been good. Oh, it's great. You know, and they have major injuries on their defense with no Judon, no Christian Gonzalez, and they still find a way to be super disruptive. I mean, it's still Belichick over there. And look at the depth chart of their wide receivers last night. That was unbelievable. I mean... Uh, they was Ty Montgomery running routes, so they have basically non non receivers yeah. playing receiver. Uh, because Devontae Parker was out, it was unbelievably thin. I do we give the Patriots any credit? Because my Patriot friends are real really miserable right oh, now. Oh, this is a terrible win for them. <laughs> terrible, terrible right? win for them. How dare they win this game? I mean, you're careening towards the number one pick, maybe. Now, if the season ended today, they still would have the second pick. So that third win, but you know, we gotta. We got a whole week to play here. Yeah, and they look like, oh my gosh, bad news. They could win another one or maybe even two. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it should be a meltdown in New England if they win two more games. Take them totally out of Caleb Williams or Drake May. Yeah. That would be awful. By the way, it's now called a Lovey Smith when you uh, win a game at the end of the season (laughs) to screw your team. But it worked Uh, out great for the Houston Texans because they got C.J. Stroud. So maybe it'll work out great for the Patriots. That was my thought process last night. I'm like, well, C.J. Stroud's awesome. (laughs) That's who they landed with. They should cut Lovey a check. E.J., you look like you want to say something about this game. Yeah, I mean, on the Tomlin front, I know we talk about how bad the offense was in Trubisky and how he kind of sinks the entire team. But this is supposed to be a defensive first team. And I think we think about Tomlin, we think of defense. Defense, how much blame should he get for that? I mean, okay, you know, Trubisky is terrible, and that sucks the life out of the defense. You're playing against a New England Patriots. You're playing against a Bailey Zappi who's been turning the ball over left and right when he plays. Yeah. There's a part of me that just when we talk about divvying blame, whether or not we have to move on from Tomlin, it just feels like it's a great defense that has a great uh, infrastructure in place. You could probably move on from Tomlin and still find a coach who can get that defense to play well, but maybe advance them offensively. Like how much is Tomlin at this point holding them back? Because yeah. watching them over the last two weeks, it just feels like they play football like it's 2005, and everyone else is playing like it's 2023. Wait, by the way, the defense last night, I think they were shocked when uh, the Patriots came out throwing the ball. They they were clearly very surprised. But that's, on, that's that. on Mike Tomlin. Yeah, no, I that's, say, that's, no, that's, no. that's not an endorsement but, for Tomlin. I got to be honest. Yeah, I, but wasn't everybody shocked? The Patriots had not thrown the ball in a month and a half at all. They have just run, 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 run. And last night they came out like the greatest show on turf. It was bizarre. So And then Steelers' defense settled down in a big way. They did lose Alex. Highsmith, too. Again, yeah. he's been kind of in and out of the uh, lineup. 855-212-4CBS. Are you pinning this failure on Mike Tomlin? Are you putting it on Kenny Pickett just being injured? The quarterback injury. Quarterback not on injury. Kenny Pickett. Sure. Quarterback injury. Well, you're not going to pin this loss on Kenny Pickett. That's what I mean. Oh, yes. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. He, he wasn't playing last night. His injury. 855-212-4CBS. 855-212-4227. Okay, lots to do, including... A very, very embarrassing, cringeworthy moment for an NFL coach. It's all becoming public now. The dirty laundry is coming out, guys. We'll tell you exactly what we mean. Glad to have you.
Good morning. Maggie and Perloff, CBS Sports Radio. Welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. We're debating uh, what poll question we should put up. EJ, what did you go with for the Steelers debacle last night? So there was some grammatical hangups I had to deal with, but basically I went with who is to blame for... You're our journalism school, dude. Yeah, my last class last night, by the way. Um, Who is to blame for the Steelers' loss last night? Um, So the question, obviously, following their loss, Mike Tomlin, Mitchell Trubisky. Those are the two choices you have. You can, of course, vote. Wow, that's a on, tough. That's a Twitter. tough choice. It's, it's a real toss up. <laughs> yeah, I got to be honest though. Like Tomlin, I would say, Tomlin does get blamed, but I mean, Trubisky's a pretty good uh, guy for Tomlin to have on that poll opposite yeah. him. I think pretty Trubisky. Scapegoat. Yeah, I think Trubisky wins this one. I think that people are fed up with Tomlin, and you know, listen, they're going to do the. Yeah, you know, they're booing Trubisky to his credit. You know, he didn't. I don't think he let it bother him too much. You know, he got him back into the game. I guess in the fourth quarter with the touchdown, but. It's like, I just think people are fed up. We talked to Ross Tucker about this yesterday. It's the middle, the mediocrity. Yeah, the, limbo. You're, you're never going to be good enough to win a Super Bowl, but you're not going to be bad enough to cause real changes to happen. And especially with this organization, the Steelers, who have had, what, four coaches since right. in their entire history. But they've been able to reinvent themselves before in this situation, where they've been mediocre, stuck in a rut, and then gotten a lead out of nowhere. For The first Super Bowl team that beat the Seahawks, nobody really saw that team it's coming up, and then they reinvented themselves at this offensive team with obviously um, all, all those stars, uh, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio, what's Brown. Antonio Brown. So I think Watch they can, I think there's another reinvention coming. I really do. I would not let go of Tomlin. Hmm. I get why people are agita about this, if you will. You it's know? funny you think about reinventions. I think that's a good point, Perloff, because I think about Andy Reid and yeah. who he was as Philadelphia Eagles head coach, and there's some principles he's still taking with him in KC, but I mean. He's not the same coach he was in 2004. And then I think of the counterpart that Tomlin had last night in Bill Belichick and how so many of the issues has been the fact that Bill Belichick is also playing football like it's 2005. And it feels like Tomlin right now is at a crossroads. Is he going to yeah. kind of get with the times mm-hmm. and kind of what the NFL is today? Or is he going to kind of revert back to what he knows, which is run the ball, defense, you know, play the clock? Right now, that is not working. I thought that when they had Le'Veon Bell and they had Antonio Brown, they were slinging the ball down the field. They may not have won a Super Bowl, but to me, that was clearly where the Steelers need to evolve. Right. It felt like when mm. that fell apart, Tomlin kind of went back to his comfort blanket, which is, you know, we're going to just play smash defense. Mouth. Smash mouth. Well, because would, last time he had some divas that he had to get the ball to, and it didn't work out so well. Well, I would disagree. I think the Steelers fans say those guys were divas, and you had these kind of Character questions. You didn't have the the team that won in the early 2000s, the mid-2000s, was full of all these tough old veterans on mm-hmm. defense. Troy Palomalo, killers. And I think that was – and then he had all these pretty boy wide receivers, and it all fell apart. Well, let's so not I think also he, forget Brad Roethlisberger had some character stuff as well. Well, no, I'm just saying the uh, the defense led them to those early yeah. Super Bowls. So I think that's probably – I think EJ's right. I think that's why that's his comfort blanket is to go back to a defense-led team yeah. and not an offense-led. Yeah, when Ben Roethlisberger was throwing for 4,500 yards, they felt somewhat less dangerous than when Troy Palomaro was out there okay. destroying people. But here's the thing, right? It's like, yeah, of course, it's easier for a coach to win games when he has a Hall of Fame quarterback at the helm, right? Whether your defense is great or not great, it makes your job so much easier. Now you got a crappy situation at quarterback. Now what can you do? Listen, we're watching Belichick struggle with this, yeah. right? It's it's not easy but I can understand the frustration with Mike Tomlin. All right, well, so that's the poll. Yeah. What if they bring in a good offensive coordinator next year? Well, do you trust Tomlin to make that hire? Because he just had the Matt Canada hire, and apparently it was like pulling teeth to get them to move on from Matt Canada. Yeah, but their GM is 
on fire. He's doing nothing but making it's Omar Khan, right? He's making amazing picks. Let him pick an offense court. Why can they pick all these great rookies and bring in all this talent and not get the coaching staff on the offense right? Well, and you got to develop them. I mean, you had it, it's it's just very interesting. You had Kirk Herbstreet last night talking about what was it, Darnell Wright, the tight end. He's like this guy's a blocker and he's just been a blocker. Like when he was at Georgia, he was catching passes along with Brock Bowers. Like this is a weapon in the red zone, a guy who's six, seven and 260 pounds and they never use him. I don't know. Well, there's a, he fell because he was hurt. I mean, he was a lot of teams. playing last night. Yeah. I mean, okay, whatever. But my point is that, you know, there's talent here. They just need the right coach. They, They can find somebody. It's not that hard to find an offensive coordinator, Maggie. I mean, if you want to talk about the impact of a coach, there's a, you know, we could get to your team a little later. Yeah, no, we're going to get to the Buffalo Bills because they are in the news. Uh, first, Jeff is in Pittsburgh. Give us a little boots on the ground. Good morning, Jeff. How are you? Bad morning. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Tough one. Uh, I just, I'm not a Tomlin hater, but I just think his time's kind of ran its course in Pittsburgh. I, I give you, the guy hasn't won a playoff game since 2016. Yeah. What other coaches held a job that would have that record? He's lost to the likes of Tim Tebow in the playoffs. He's lost to the likes of Blake Bortles in the playoffs. I mean, Mike Tomlin is the de- mere definition of an average coach. I don't know why so, people give him all the credit. So, crazy- Jeff, I would say that he's definitely not an average coach. He's definitely better than average because he – continues to find ways to win, whether it's lucky at times or not. And I understand, listen, the Bortles thing and the Tebow thing, like you're just never living those down. Like you lose to Brady and the Patriots, it's almost, I don't say forgivable, but people understand. You can't lose to Bortles. You cannot lose to Tim Tebow, who basically never had a career after that game. The oh, next I mean, season, then he was gone. It's. I understand what Jeff is saying. I understand the frustration, but there has been a lot of success. I mean, he's got one of the better winning percentages of a longtime coach in NFL history. Never has a losing season. The playoffs. Listen, the Tim, that team that lost to Tim Tebow was not a great team. It's not like they were going to go on to win the Super Bowl anyway. So I, I do understand the criticism here, but I just think maybe I'm just a Tomlin believer. What he does, he does well. He inspires his team. Get the right offensive coordinator in there, and it's all going to work. It's just one piece, Maggie. 855-212-4CBS, 855-212-4227. Andrew Bogus is here. He's got some headlines. Top of the muffin to you. Good morning, guys. Uh, those headlines sponsored by Northern Tool and Equipment. Get the tools you need from the brands you trust. Start solving your projects today at northerntool.com. We're made for this. When Perloff spun his wheel of excuses for Bailey Zappi last weekend and landed on Mother Nature keeping the Pats QB off the scoreboard against the Chargers last night in Pittsburgh, Mother Nature let her guard down. down. Zappi off a play, throws it left. Henry in the end zone, makes the catch, dives in, touchdown, Patriots! Bob Sosie, Scott Zolak on <laughs> Pats Radio. Zappi, a hat trick of first-half TD throws, the first New England QB to do that since Tom Brady in 2018. But then I guess it got cold and rainy and windy in Pittsburgh because the Pats didn't score in the second half. But they hung on for a 21-18 victory over those Steelers, ending their five-game skid. So now Zappy and the boys are 3-10. and 10. Had a great first half. You know, there's things that were going to clean up in the second half that we didn't do very well, personally me. Um, but, you know, it's great to be great to win. Man, he was loving life in the first half. Every time on the sideline, smiling, smiling yep. telling jokes. Him. 
Yeah, but here's the thing. You're saying he had a bad second half. After he threw that pick, Bill Belichick's like, you're not throwing the football anywhere near <laughs> right. the defense again. So it's not like he could have gotten any more stats there. They got no, so conservative. But I think that was our point the other day is that yeah. they don't trust him enough well, to let really let the reins off I, because he's Bailey Zappi. I think the Patriots did a rope-a-dope. They did not let him throw it all uh, last week. Then they come out last night, and they're throwing it all over the yard, and the Steelers had no, did not expect it. So it was actually a two-game plan by Belichick to fool the Steelers. <laughs> set up and then the not checkers, bogus. Yeah. Uh, the Steelers dropped to 7-6 and six after two losses in four days to 10-loss opposition. They do not have a playoff spot this morning. But as we know, the real drama last night was in Vegas. Lakers, Pelicans, LeBron, Zion, NBA Cup semifinals. Now LeBron the other way. He oh, checked. my gosh. He checked. That was from TNT. LeBron scoring 11 consecutive points to open the second quarter. He had 21 by halftime. Didn't need to play the fourth quarter, finishing with 30 points, five rebounds, eight assists in a 133-89 laugher over those Pels. Up next for L.A. is Indy. The Pacers outscored the Bucks in the first semi, 128-119, with Tyrese Halliburton putting up 27 points and 15 assists. Wait, that's Exciting. A, yeah, you can't, but you can't just say like Tyrese Halliburton and then like read the line. He looked like he was the best player in the NBA for the last five minutes <laughs> of that game. It was crazy. Five minutes by the last five weeks. Well, he's definitely. Been on a tear. But there was like it, something about the last five minutes of that game. He was responsible for everything. everything. He was getting the rebounds. He was shooting. I feel like he was setting his own pick somehow. I don't know how, what was going on. It was like one against five. We And we had to um, confirm recently that Miles Turner was still a pacer. And he was out there last <laughs> Second night. Second best player on the team. Exactly. <laughs> they had that pick and roll going. I mean, Halliburton, though, is like was he was calling the plays. He was getting the water. Like, he was running the scoreboard table. He was literally doing everything on the court. It's pretty wild. Uh, Bronny James went through his first full contact practice at USC yesterday, the next big step in his return from July's cardiac episode. He may make his game debut Sunday against Long Beach State. Hockey last night, Alex Ovechkin with an assist for 1,500 career points, but his Capitals lose to the Stars 5-4 in a shootout. And let's finish back in the NFL. We are still talking about Eagles-Bills from two weekends ago because the Eagles and Bills are still talking about it. Jason Kelsey called Buffalo D-lineman Jordan Phillips dirty for bulldozing through the Philly O-line before a snap on one play. Phillips said, hello, Kettle. You look at the tush push, he dives at somebody's knees every play and tries to roll him up. So for him to speak on somebody being dirty, I don't think he has any right or any means to call for a fine when he does a whole bunch of stuff like so I just think I just think that's kind of crazy for him to to, to even mention that mm, interesting thought yeah. Eagles are dirty Players, you know what staff members see here's the thing the Phillips thing was just a little more overt mm. because he busted through the line yeah, maybe a little more subtle yeah the Kelsey stuff is a little more subtle because you can't you no one knows what's going on in that scrum I feel like every center in the NFL is super dirty though by definition aren't you supposed to hike the ball and go at the guy's legs isn't that the position do you want to hear something startling Ross Tucker who you guys had on yesterday, yesterday yeah. right I mean couldn't be jollier goofier right Ross has a legit reputation when he played for being super dirty. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's an interior alignment. How can you call a guard or a center dirty? They're like, 
shorter just, and less and, strong than everybody else. Mark Flair was called dirty. Stink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Remember also, Comrade Dobler, the famous, like, old school, the dirtiest player? I think he was an interior lineman. Also, don't trust that Tucker. He's going around, he's pulling out people's microphones, you know, he's switching <laughs> people's chairs. That guy's a menace. Uh, Phillips, of course, blaming a podcast for Kelsey thinking he can say whatever he wants these days. He is a well-respected guy on, on, around the league for whatever reason. Um, so, and now he suddenly has a voice because he ha- he's on his brother's podcast and whatnot, so he thinks he can use it. But uh, the way he's using his voice, it doesn't make any sense. Sick burn. Are they playing again this year? Can we get a rematch? No, I, the, why are the Bills talking about the Eagles and the Eagles talking about the Bills? What are we, going, what are we doing here? Kelsey started it because he said something about Jalen Phillips yeah. on yeah, the podcast. The, if uh, I'm J- Jordan Phillips, Jordan Phillips Jalen, I would uh, immediately say we got a game this weekend. I don't care about what happened before. That's what No, Wither- he's speaking truth to power, which is, you know, mm. everyone loves Jason Kelsey. Meanwhile, here's the real tea. The real dirt is that he's actually, right. you know, he's and, going at people's knees. I mean, honestly, is... I think Jordan Phillips has a point here. I mean, is it should you should Kelsey be using his platform to try to get other guys fined? Find? Like we all know he has this big podcast and in part is because of the popularity of his brother. I don't know, like, you know, in the NFL and most sports, you don't go in another man's pocket. This feels like Jason Kelsey kind of going in another man's pocket. If you really want to make an issue, they, the Eagles and him, they can call the NFL and say, hey, look at these plays. Right. Like this put, I'm sure like they're this, doing that too. Right, but this put this major spotlight on Jordan Phillips and puts a target on his back. We know fans are crazy now. You got Eagles fans probably saying, oh, you suck, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I, I kind of thought that I agreed with Phillips. I thought this was a little corny. I don't think the Eagles and Bills will play for another four years, right? No. Most likely. Yeah. I know that schedule changed with the 17th game, but I, I don't know. This feels like a non-story to me because – the winner thing to say is, I don't want to talk about that. It happened two weeks ago. We have the Chiefs on Sunday. Why? If I'm either guy, I'm not. And you're right. Jason Kelsey should not be talking about that. I agree. But I guess in a podcast, you have a lot of time well, to kill. <laughs> you got content. You got to churn out here. Can't all be Taylor Swift takes. But I actually do think that he, that Kelsey said it for the first time immediately after the game. It was not on the, he didn't bring this up. If he did on the podcast, it was not the first time we talked about it. After the game. Oh. He was in the he locker room. It. He talked about the plays because right, okay. people thought Phillips. There was like four or five plays in the game that Phillips. Like at one point, it looked like he put his knee on somebody to get right. up off yeah, of. Yeah. So it was a it was a locker room yeah. conversation. It is very easy to believe that Jordan Phillips is also probably a dirty player because all good linemen are dirty players, and I want five dirty by linemen way, on my team. By the way, his voice does not match no. the, his size. Of, the dirty player <laughs> you no know, moniker we're giving Jordan Phillips. I mean, well, he sounds I mean, like he'd be a college professor. Yeah, are you no, kidding me? Adam, how about Indominus Sue? You ever hear him talk? Know, and he's yeah, the most guy. famous dirty player, and he, his voice, is, he seems like the nicest guy in an interview, <laughs> and then you get him on the field, and he'll well, rip your head off. The number one person whose voice did not match their ferocity, ferociousness, rather, Mike Tyson. Like that's the ultimate oh, yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. You know? This I, is this is not to that extent, but it's pretty good. I was I was thinking Troy Palomalo, the guy we mentioned earlier, yeah, right. another one who played with his hair oh, on yeah. fire and would kill yeah. people. Oh, and Troy, Troy like, Palomalo you know, is like, yeah, you. I'm just a little mellow Hawaiian. <laughs> you know, let's sit around and play that tiny guitar, and then you get on the field. <laughs> ukulele, like, you mean? Yeah, Same watch out for your Seo. life. Yeah, there. Junior Sale was a really hey buddy. Everyone, yeah, may he rest in peace. But obviously, ferocious hitter. I'm done, guys. That was great. Perlo's a dirty player. You guys are trying to <laughs> you guys are trying to get at me with a tush push, and if you think you are, I mean, it's still legal. No, just enjoy it now. 
Here's the thing. While you can. Your days are numbered. Yep. And then you'll be a They're terrible football team. You guys <laughs> you guys did not <laughs> follow logic. I said the tush push is 90, they're 90% effective on fourth and one compared to 84% effective for the rest of the league. You're like, that 6% is huge. Get out of here. Um, actually, How it was, easy it was is 8%, it? to be clear. <laughs> oh, that's quarter Seven's oh, a threshold. Well, there you go. The Eagles might as well throw out uh, <laughs> the playbook and start over. Come on. Tom Brady never missed a fourth and one. It's not that hard to QB sneak if you have well, any coordination whatsoever. Did you see Bailey Zappi try to do the tush push last night? They lost yardage. Mm. Just Trubisky sneak. worked it. Trubisky yep, had Trubisky a, a seven-yard sneak last night. It's so easy to sneak. People are making way too big a deal out of this. Uh, thank you, Bogish. Um, people making a big deal out of something. We're going to do that next. And by the way, we're totally warranted because one NFL coach is getting outed for a ridiculous motivation tactic that he tried to pull with his team, and it is unfathomable. We will get to that next. Don't move. Maggie and Perloff, CBS Sports Radio. All right, welcome back to Maggie and Perloff. You can stream the NFL and Westwood One for free, sponsored by AutoZone all season long. You can listen to every Westwood One broadcast of the NFL live on the NFL app by asking Alexa to open Westwood One Sports or on the Odyssey app, Get in the Zone, AutoZone. The free AutoZone Fix Finder service can help you find a fix for free. Get in the Zone, AutoZone restrictions apply. We're talking about Mike Tomlin and Steelers today, but I got to tell you, Maggie, there's a lot of coaches in the news. <laughs> <laughs> Not for great reasons. And that's what brings us to my Buffalo Bills. And Ty Dunn is a reporter, longtime reporter, and now writes for Go Long, his own uh, website and Substack. And he's going to join us uh, later on in the show. But he took a very extensive deep dive into Sean McDermott the head coach of the Buffalo Bills, and sort of why things have gone so poorly for the Bills this year. Bills, a Super Bowl contender by all accounts. Yes, they had injuries on the defense, but they lost to the Patriots. I mean, they lost to the Denver Broncos with 12 men on the field. And like how the Bills have had these failures and these really high-profile big games, right? We talked about that. When, when the Bills actually won a big game. So he took a deep dive and looked at Sean McDermott, and what he found was pretty alarming. Now, for most Bills fans, you get this. You get that Sean McDermott's not Mr. Warm and Fuzzy. You get the idea that he's not exactly a player's coach. He doesn't come off like a Doug Peterson or someone like that. He comes off as a kind of uptight guy, right? And that doesn't mean bad, right, necessarily. He's buttoned up. He expects a lot. He demands a lot. He's unforgiving in a lot of ways, I think, Um Maybe some people would say, like, a little too stuck in his ways or what have you. But, again, you can win that way. Mm. Bill Belichick has taught us you can win that way by being kind of tight and and not, you know, all buddy-buddy with the players. But this anecdote came out to just show you and crystallize perhaps how clueless Sean McDermott is as a communicator. This is a story from training camp from a couple years ago, where they do training camp uh, in Rochester, New York, and Pittsburgh at St. John Fisher College. He brought the team together for a morning meeting, if you will, addressing the team. He wanted to get across an idea that you have to stick together as a team. And I'm just going to read here because Ty did this better than I can. Sources on hand say he used a strange model to, you know, Talk about teamwork. The terrorists on September 11, 2001. He cited the hijackers as a group of people who were all able to get on the same page to orchestrate attacks to perfection. 
one by one, McDermott started asking specific players in the room questions. What tactics do you think they used to come together? A young player tried to methodically answer, what do you think their biggest obstacle was? A veteran answered, TSA, which mercifully lightened the mood. This is unfathomable. First of all, there are a million ways to orchestrate teamwork to go to the 9-11 hijackers on the hijackers side of this to illustrate teamwork. Perloff, I can't even imagine what must have been going through his head to think that this is a way to illustrate teamwork to a group of men. Yeah, I mean, if you'd gone on the passenger side um, on UA-93, that would have made sense. This is, it's so out of left field. Like, it's almost like, it's almost beyond criticism because it's so stupid. It's like, there's no two sides to this. What what bothers me about it, and I think why it's scary, is you don't you don't normalize nine eleven. You know, you don't normalize the Holocaust, and that's what happens over time. Twenty years ago, to say this, he would have been fired immediately. Right. So, uh, I don't think he should be fired for this. For this, uh, I don't know about the larger pattern because you don't want to see somebody canceled over one terrible analogy. But this is this is a bad idea, and it shows a real lack of judgment here. So one coach, so there were Ty had seven sources who told him this story. Yeah. So this is not this wasn't made up. This wasn't anything like that. And, and McDermott has and McDermott admitted, confirmed he it. confirmed it. We'll play that for you in a minute. But one coach said about this specific incident, "quote He doesn't have bad intentions. He's just so clueless that he couldn't believe that it was a big deal when the players were losing their mind. See, like that's a problem." It's a problem to do this, to say it, and then to think, like, why is everyone getting upset? That's a major disconnect. Major disconnect. And it just goes to show, like, this is someone who's in a leadership position. This is somebody who has to be making tough calls on things. This is someone who has to communicate with people. And to be this clueless about it is illustrates a larger issue to me. It, I mean, it does feel a little funny to me that the, it looks like there are people trying to make an excuse to get him out of there because they're losing to the two are a little separate. If they, if they were 13 and three, like they were last year, this whole story would have been taken. It wasn't just that incident, by the way, there's many incidents yeah. in the story, right? The whole story would have been taken differently. So I do think it, you can't avoid the fact that McDermott's on the hottest of hot seats already. Uh, I have a question for you. Does this, does this the straw that breaks the camel's back? Is it the details of the story or is it what's happening on the field? That's what I'm curious about. How do you separate the two? That's a great question. You know, I, I how do you separate the two? Because, you know, you already fired your defensive coordinator. You fired your offensive coordinator. The other thing in the piece is that there has been basically a mass exodus of coaches who have left, and this is all stuff mm. behind the scenes, to go to lateral moves. Like, you're a 13-3 and three team. This is not generally when coaches jump off the bandwagon here. You want to stick around, win a Super Bowl, and be known and be attached to a, you know, a good team. And according to Ty and sources, guys are sprinting out the door because they don't want to work for him. Now, again, listen, like here's the thing about Belichick. Belichick, I don't think, is an easy guy to work for. But what happens? All the guys come back. Patricia comes back. Josh McDaniels comes back. Bill O'Brien comes back. They all come back. No one's coming back for McDermott. They're out the door, and they're going to worse situations, and they don't care. And you've got Josh Allen there, and that's another part of the story which is, listen, you've got a generational quarterback that the Buffalo Bills have been looking for for almost 30 years. Like, even if you're on the defensive side of the ball, you've got to have a relationship with that guy, right? Like, Belichick and Brady, yes, it got bad at the end, but of course they had a relationship, even though Belichick was a defensive guy. 
There's no relationship. According to Ty and the sources he talked to in the story, there's just no relationship there. I mean, that's a problem. Like, to not understand that What do you mean? Like, they don't say hi in the hallway? I don't think... No, it's not like that. It's just there's no trust. Like, they don't have a bond. There's no... There's no trust, and you can tell by certain play calls the way that plays out on the field. You have 20 seconds left in one timeout, and you take a knee against your Philadelphia Eagles, and that's just the latest example. Oh, you mean in, at, at halftime? No, 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 at the end of the game to go oh, overtime. Oh, right, right before overtime. Okay. That's just one example, but there is yeah. no relationship. I mean, that I understand the logic. Okay, I mean, I understand all this. The funny thing is I feel a little defensive of Sean McDermott sure. because he's from kind of really close to where I grew up. And he's an Andy Reid guy. He'll go right to Andy Reid. I just think these these pieces, and I love Ty, They, it just feels like maybe there's more to the story. Maybe there is a case for Sean McDermott. Because how did he win all these football games if he was such a terrible guy and such a terrible coach? Well, I, you know, I hate to, I'm hesitant to say terrible guy. I think that it's, but despite that 9-11 analogy, which is just horrible. Yeah, yeah. But I, I don't know if it's terrible die, guy. I think it's clueless. I think it's aloof. I think it's defensive. I think it's pointing fingers at everyone else and not himself, like not taking accountability mm. when they fail in big moments. I mean, those are character flaws, but I don't know if he's a bad guy. Anyway, we got more on this. Don't move. Maggie and Perloff. 